good morning to you. If you're on Andre's side of the world, good evening to you. If you're on my side of the world, um, how you doing, bro? Good day. Good day, sir. If you're in Australia, good, good day. day, mate. No, it's good evening, mate. It's, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. I'll see what you've done there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so um, it's like, it's the, it's the late shift for me. I'm getting used to it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I, I think I fared okay last time, so hopefully I can do it again. And um, yeah, you, you you're you're in the saddle, ready to go. And, I'm uh, ready to go, except I'm not really. I had a terrible night's sleep. I slept on the sofa, and um, <laughs> uh, not because of marriage problems, because my daughter was sick, and so she slept in my place on the bed, oh. and I slept on the sofa. And so I didn't really, I, I, like, I, I didn't want to wake anybody up. So I just, just grabbed the nearest available thing I could use for a blanket. So I didn't even have like a real blanket. It was freezing cold. So I'm kind of a late night, long meeting last night. So I'm kind of, kind of there, but I kind of feel like I normally feel at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day. So I don't know what that means for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't know what that means. For you. <laughs> All I know is I got new carpets. We spent the whole day getting new carpets. So if I had to sleep on the car, oh, it would cool. be a fresh experience. Pretty awesome. So yeah, it's been uh it's been crazy. But um Wednesday night is usually it's our hang time. Welcome to our hang time. You just joined us in our hang time. Um and uh we don't plan this one. We don't have anything that we have any idea of what we want to speak about, but we usually end up on a pretty cool topic. So um I, I'm just, I'm just trusting that that's going to happen again this time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel strangely out of theological topics to talk about, though. I'm losing confidence. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Any, anything going on on your well, mind at the moment? Yeah, I mean, we had a um, a meeting last night for our kind of service leaders, our worship leaders. So we're having the whole discussion about about liturgy ah. um, and about, uh, you know, we, we were getting into, we're, we're doing the, the catechism, new city catechism through the year mm-hmm. this year. And so um, we're talking about, you know, best way to do that. And so I guess uh, I got my, I got my, uh, I wanted to show you this. Yeah. This is the, uh, the first English prayer book. Oh, wow. Look at that bad boy. That's awesome. Except I like the other one that you showed me the other day, that leather-bound thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a that's a, that's an older... Because these aren't actually used anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. This was like Cramer's first draft. Wow. That was then kind of modif- changed into the... Into wow. Eventually became the Book of Common Prayer. Very cool. But uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to look at, uh, you know, and compare. It's much, much simpler Is it? than the Book of uh, Common Prayer. Yeah. So yeah, it's well. nice, nice read, but... Um, I t- I tell you what, uh, two things that, that have, one of them came up last night, uh, in our discussions. And also I listened to a podcast recently with Taylor Marshall. You oh, know, yeah. he's our, he's our man, man on the, on, on the Roman side. Yes. That we, we, we look to for, uh, keeping he's, us informed on the Roman track. He's our correspondent. <laughs> Um, is that, sh- yeah, he's our news correspondent. On the- I, I so should, I was, I was, yeah. Sorry, let me just quickly go ahead. I've been meaning to do this um, for a while now, and I keep forgetting. Uh, but just before we forget, um, 
there is a uh, podcast that someone uh, that listens to our podcast. Now, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. And um, I know we, we we spoke via Messenger or something like that. But uh, uh, he gave me a hint uh, or just uh, put me onto this um I don't think it's a Reformed Baptist thing necessarily. It might be. And if you're listening... The Reformanda Initiative. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. I listen yeah. to it all the time. What? You don't listen to the Reformanda? Well, I, I to be honest, I kind of... Yeah, I mean, I listen to it and then I just, I just zoned out a little bit. It's a little bit like... Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, you know, you got to be full on. They, they script their talk. You know, it's, it's very scripted, very informative. It's very, it's very you know, but it's like, I don't know. You got to be into it. So... Um, the way I caught up was um, the one on Vatican II, which I thought was super interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I just I do I, I dabble every now and again, but I just thought let me uh, because we've been talking so much about that, um, it's probably a good idea to get onto that one as well, uh, the Reformanda Initiative, uh, and that'll give you less uh, kind of dangerous walk along the wild side with Taylor Marshall and, and more like a, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is a, um, more like yeah. a kind of, Hey, this is what's going on in Rome. And, uh, they've processed it for you much more helpful, ultimately much more informative. I think, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's an evangelical perspective on things going on in Rome Catholicism and they've got a guy who's, uh, um, the, the kind of the guy initiated it, um, is, well versed in Roman Catholic stuff, written yes. books on the subject and th- and that kind of thing. So okay. uh, I think he cool. comes from Roman Catholicism, and they're living in Rome at the moment, by the sounds of it. And so uh, the the podcast seems to be yeah being done hosted in Rome. Is, is the, there any Reformed the Baptist sponsor of the podcast? Is Union? Okay, yes, seminary, yes, yes, yes. Which is an evangelical seminary here in the UK, which right. is basically like it's not a rival, but for want of a better way of putting it, is O'Kill's okay. Bible. Cool. And uh, so, is any Reformed connection necessarily, or is it just evangelical? It's a, it's a, it's a Reformed Anglican evangelical okay. All right. seminary. It used to be called uh, Wales Evangelical School of Theology. Okay. Wow. And then Wales or West, which was the standard uh, non-conform, or one of the standard non-conformist places to go. Hmm. Okay. Um, what happened to my picture? Is my picture present on your side? Nope. No, you're looking good. Oh, okay, that's you're good. Looking smooth. I'm, I'm looking pretty hideous on my side. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the uh, the uh, the the seminary is a good one, mm-hmm. and it's it's fast becoming a a favorite of um, of evangelicals. I, I don't think it's fair to say mainly on a non-conformist side, but I think. I think uh, Anglican ordinance go there too. Okay, cool. Um, all right, sweet. So now, what are you going to do with the um, with the issue of liturgy? I mean, did you want to introduce what? Did you want to introduce confessions into your liturgical uh, well, experience? Well, okay. Oh. So for a while now, um, uh, well, no. The thing I was going to introduce because we've been, we've been trying to kind of become more liturgical. Okay. Um, I, I I I like liturgy. I, I'm big into it. Like I I think that um, much to everyone around me's dismay, I uh, I could I could deal with a very formal liturgy every week very easily. Mm-hmm. You know, I <clears throat> quite quite happy with it. You mm-hmm. know, if we went through the Book of Common Prayer every week, I'd be dead happy. I think that's that would be um, for most churches that would be a vast improvement on what happens. Like mm. for most 
independent evangelical churches, I think that honestly it would be like a, a sound, solid liturgy. Yeah, exactly. Just packed full of um, the riches of, of of something that you can trust, you're going to depend upon. It, it, yeah. We we have the saying. Um, um, uh, really, I want to say not not so much at Grace Net, but amongst the team, you know, uh, saved by sacrament or saved by liturgy, you know, in that you know if if the sermon flunks, you've got this strong liturgy carrying you, and you know if you didn't have that, it would be a it'd be a worry. It really would. Uh, you know, not not to say that everyone needs to slack off on their sermons, but you know what I mean. You you come around. It's kind of like that Jordan Cooper critique. Um, I'm not sure if we mentioned it on the show, but he was just saying like. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's a little bit too centered around. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't Jordan Cooper. It was um, it was Francis Chan when I was talking to Nick. I think Jordan Cooper might have said something similar at some point or oh, responded too centered to, around the personality. Of yes, the yes. Yeah. And um, and so yeah, Amen. We we sort of spilled the guts there, and and you can go back and check uh, check out that episode if you want to see it yeah. uh, and more on that one. But um, you know, I think that you know, I, I just resonate. say though, I think that is a uniquely American problem. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't. I don't see a lot of that here. You see it like on the odd occasion, but it's freak. Generally speaking, British culture. You mean the does big not obsess about the charisma of the leader? Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, I, I would see the problem. Yeah, certainly in the megachurch aspect, and I mean, uh, I think Australia definitely uh, follows that through a little bit. You got Hillsong and the like, and um, and so it definitely yeah. brings that through. Uh, in New Zealand, less so. Um, but you know what I was thinking is, even if you don't have the, um, and more to our point in terms of what we're discussing now, um, yeah. even if you don't have the big personality or the big mega church, you know, it still yeah. can be highly dependent on the guy. Um, and, you know, even just in terms of the actual service. So you've got, you know, and so there's a lot of pressure you know, I, when I feel this and when I'm thankful for it is, um, and, and it's not so bad now because I got a good team that they, they'll fill in for me when I'm preaching. But, you know, in the early days of church planning, um, uh, you know, you don't have anyone to fall back on, uh, yeah. you know, and we didn't have a, a very strong liturgy. So you basically, you know, you really, if you're, you're very dependent and this is part of the plan, like you've got to be the strongest preacher you can be so that you plant the church so that, you know, it really grows based on that rather than put into place a solid sound liturgy with a solid sermon, you know? Uh, and so that if, if, um, you know, you, you, I mean, it was an absolute train smash. If like, if I fell sick or something and I didn't have a backup preacher, what are you going to do? You know, that's really the whole thing. But even if like now, even if, I and mean, we would have a whole bunch of backup preachers, but even if we didn't have anyone, and we'd still have like you know you got a solid call to worship, solid prayer, solid um, you know lords lords up every Sunday, um, you know solid process the whole way through, and um, and you know even if you had to literally just bring in a a, a light and fluffy uh, fluffy devotional or read some something for a five minute um, session during the sermon, you know you'd still come away feeling like I've met with the Lord and yeah. and uh i've been summoned to worship i've worshiped with with god's people i've sung with them i have um you know i've meditated over scripture i've i've you know i've experienced the presence of god through the the sacrament i've been um uh, forgiven of my sins i've been you know absolution has been declared over you me you hear the gospel yeah i think that's the thing like yeah. the liturgy tells the gospel and this is one of the points we we're making last night that and um, that's the key question to ask is that as you've led the service, have you helped people understand 
and experience the the gospel experience in the sense of confession absolution you know the mm. um and I, I you know and i think that a lot of the time in evangelical culture for people leading services there's a lot of pressure to be um i mean i know this is not so we'll, you know it depends if you're coming from like a very um a very reformed world where regulative principle is the thing you're not going to know what i'm talking about but for those of us on the on the broader evangelical spectrum um you'll know that there's a lot of pressure when you're leading a service to come up with something creative uh something clever something fun something uh engaging and uh normally the attempts to do those things end up in some sort of mild train wreck you know totally. varying degrees of embarrassment and all i things. agree yeah yeah um and so uh you know they can be executed and are executed well sometimes but most times yeah they are they just become a thing that actually if anything is distracting and i mm. think i'm i'm not entirely sure um, whether I am regulative or not, because I talked to some people and they would say that my, my definition of it matches with regulative principle. But I think for most of the hardcore regulative guys, I probably wouldn't be regulative principle. Right. And I'm, I'm, I, to be honest, I'm okay with that. But I think that the, um, the, the downside of not being, you know, strictly governed by what is biblical and what is explicit in scripture is that if you start to step out of that, um, you're always in danger of becoming something that's distracting. And so, you know, our one priority um, for those of us who are leading God's people Sunday by Sunday is that the worship be acceptable with reverence and awe mm -hmm. as we approach God. Like, that's it. We want acceptable worship, which has reverence and awe and joy, because the whole, you know, context of that passage is... You know, we approach the, the Mount Zion with the heavenly Jerusalem with joy. Right. As opposed to the fear and trembling of the of the old covenant and the, the judgment and gloom and, you know, trepidation. Mm. Now mm. there's confidence and joy, but there's uh, reverence and awe. And those two things have got to be present. And you find those if you actually, if you're saying, um, I, if you're asking the question, have I helped people to understand and engage with and experience the gospel? Uh, then you are leading people in worship that is acceptable mm. and is reverenced in all. The gospel is all of that. Mm -hmm. It has the, uh, it's obviously acceptable because you're worshiping according to his will, according to the word, according to the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, and you're taking <clears throat> people through the deep reverence of God and his character a deep conviction of our sinfulness and our need of grace and forgiveness, mm -hmm. the joy of finding that grace and forgiveness in Christ and knowing our sins forgiven mm -hmm. and the praise that comes out of that joy and adoration and just, you know, um, uh, reveling in the, in the gospel. And then um, the, the proclamation and dedication side of things, you know, mm -hmm. all, all coming out of the, you know, uh, the, the typical Isaac Watts, mm -hmm. you know, that were if I gave my life my all, that we're an offering far too small. You know, it's, it's right. just um, that's not how it goes. It doesn't go like that at all. <laughs> that's like a rendition. How does it go again? I've totally, uh, I've totally yeah. lost it. Well, you you keep we're thinking. The, we're the whole realm of nature, mine. Right. That we're an offering far too small. Yes. Uh, a love so great, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. 
That's good. That's, that's, that's better. Awesome. Glad you came back from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the, the regulative principle thing and, and even the way that that ties into liberty of conscience and all of that and yeah. um, the, the whole issue around that because I think a lot of people think liturgy and I think it's a bit of a hipster thing, go ancient, future church, liturgy and all that sort of nonsense. And, I'm, you know, when I'm thinking liturgy, I'm not necessarily, I mean, I don't have a problem with ancient liturgy. I like, I like the whole history of the church, but I'm just, you know, that's not really the goal. It's not to try and get all cool and old and, you know, whatever. The goal is to, at some level, confess the faith that the church has been confessing um, to worship the way the church has been worshiping. And so to find yourself in the stream, uh, and not try and do some new thing, you know, to, to really just walk in the, in the, in the way that has uh, come to us. That's, that's, that's certainly one part of it. But I think, uh, more important for me, just, I don't know, coming from it, uh, around the reformed end and, um, and uh, thinking about it in terms of the regulative principle, you've got you've got the liturgy structured around the word, which is you know, and and again, there are a few ways of going about this, and you know, I know that, um, you know, if you take Michael Horton for example, he's going to ask he's he's going to argue for a very specific sort of covenant formulation and, and that sort of thing, uh, and right, look, okay. I, th- I think it's good; it can be worked with. But I think anything around those basic concepts are just going to be so good and so safe. And, and to develop those concepts around the word, I mean, you know, how yeah. could that be a bad thing? How can God, how can that go wrong? You do have to probably watch out because I think you you get, you know, you talked about creative, um, you know, little ideas and stuff and 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 things that that to, to keep the people hooked i think probably the liturgical form of that would be hey let's um let's read this and let's let's do this and let's bring this angle in and do this cool little part and light this candle and you know and you know that i just i'm not interested in any of that but um but i do think that you know when you think about things like structuring it around let's say um you know the word Sola Scriptura, um, you know, you're coming in, you're reading the Word. There's the first part, so you're called to worship, and then you're praying the Word, and then you're, um, you know, you're uh, singing the Word, and then you're supporting the Word with the giving, and then you're uh, hearing the Word, and then you're seeing the Word in the sacrament, and then you're, uh, you know, hearing the Word being spoken over you in the benediction, and um, you know, I mean, what you've got there is just something that's going to carry you week after week, and it's always going to be focused uh, on the right thing. And um, and so, I'd say that trumps trumps any other um, approach to worship, really. Um, you know, where it's dependent on your mood that day or how creative you were, or you know. Well, I think also the um, if people may think that they want something clever and creative and. Oh, that was a good idea. You know, like the, that's what they think they may want, uh, may think that they want. But the, the problem is I, I, that's not what they need. So um, the, I think part of the challenge of anyone in church leadership is to help people move beyond what they think they want to what they really should want, what they need. Mm. What they need is the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we need. We need to meet with God as his people to uh, respond, to hear and respond to the gospel. That's, mm. that's what we need. You know? mm. So like the, um, you know, you can, you can, I mean, my, my 
when I was in, back in my Presbyterian days, uh, the minister used to say to me, uh, look, Andre, it's not hard to grow a church. It's not hard to get numbers. It's not hard to make people satisfied. I, you know, you could, you could get dancing girls and a stripper coming out of a, uh, out of a money box. You know, the place would be packed every week and everyone mm -hmm. would leave happy. It's not the point. You know, it's not the point. If that was the point, then it would be it would be fairly simple. Mm. And I think this is why, um, uh, you know, kind of churches that are more thoughtful, churches that are more theological, um, do tend to um, uh, struggle to gain the numbers because they're just not playing the crowd pleasing game. You know, mm. uh, if you're willing to if you're willing to make those compromises and sell out to the masses a bit, uh, you know, a bit like like Doc Miskell, you know, he 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 um, he did this all the time, you know, <laughs> like kind of kind of reformed, but selling out to the masses, giving people what they want, and mm. you know, modeling your sermons on popular comedians and things like that. Like it's right. just, um, you know, it, the whole thing was geared to 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 get people what they want and mm. to leave happy. And there was an element of crunch there as well. There was an element of substance, but mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that ultimately I'm not sure that that does a huge amount of good, no. but the other thing, and this is what I was uh, referring to when I was talking about Taylor Marshall mm -hmm. um, and uh, is that I think there is an enormous and sounds like the same is true in Roman Catholicism, um, but it sounds like there's an enormous pressure to be creative, to be fun, to be engaging, to be original. Um, and a lot of that pressure comes from people who are concerned for the children mm. and their involvement in the service. Mm. And one of the things, I don't know what it's like in New Zealand, but in the UK, uh, we have this kind of tradition where you do a children's talk. Right? right. And that is like... Uh, uh, Okay, uh, five to ten minutes slot. I've heard them go on for twenty minutes, you know, um, in the service where you're you're basically it's a it's a sermon for children, right? You know, um, and this is kind of um, the benchmark for whether or not you care about children. If you have a right. children's talk, okay. it means that you love children and want them in your church. If you right. don't have a children's talk, it means that you hate children and don't want them in your church, right? That's the right. that's the kind of tradition here. The, irony is that the only people who do children's talks are the, are the churches without a lot of children. Wow. Um, because they feel like they have to do something. Mm -hmm. And this is their way of saying we're a family church, even though there's no families there. And the churches with loads of families don't do that nonsense because they don't need to. Yeah. So like yeah. what, you know um we got we are critical mass here <laughs> you know we don't <laughs> we, we don't need to play this game anymore so yeah. so yeah. They, don't, they don't do anything like that instead they get their children involved in like more substantial ways like children are coming up and doing little bible readings you know and right. and things like that and i think do you know what like um it's not like i think the children's talk is a bad thing but it isn't required by scripture for most of those churches, we're dedicating an enormous amount of manpower, uh, manpower to give um, like age-specific teaching in like a Sunday school or a mini zone or a mm, or mm. children's church or whatever you want to call it. And, and, you know, we're going off and we're setting apart people who've been working hard to prepare proper lessons for them so that they can go and engage this way. And then you're giving them like a 10 to 20-minute children's talk as well. Mm. It's just overkill. Like mm. adults would get fed up with that, you know? Yeah.
Um, and and most of the time, you know, like if they're done really well, it's possible. But again, most of the time they're okay. And it just it just adds to the awkwardness. It takes away. It's a distraction from people's energy to listen to the sermon. Mm-hmm. And also, it's um, it, it uh, you know if they're not careful, they fall into just bland little moral lessons, moralistic therapeutic days. Would they do the sermon after the children's talk or? Yeah. So the, the, okay. this, well, at, you know, normally the children's talk like in a typical evangelical service would be somewhere near the beginning of the service. Right. So, you know, welcome him, sing maybe a few announcements and then hand over to, to the person to do the children's talk. And some of them, I mean, in, uh, to be fair, the the ones I've heard in our church have been pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in churches where they've been awful, um, really right. awful. But the thing is that um, people feel that unless you do something like that, mm. your children are going to lose interest in church. Mm-hmm. They're not going to care. They're going to stop coming. Mm. They're going to feel like church isn't for them, and nobody wants them around. Mm. And my thing is just that that is total baloney from mm. beginning to end. Like it is nonsense. Yeah. It is statistically, here's the thing that makes your children interested in church, right? And the Ready statistics in this are, are, are crucial, vital. And this is true spanning every tradition of the church. Mm-hmm. If your parents are interested in church, yeah your children will be interested in church. If your parents are not interested in church, your children will not be interested in church. If one of your parents are interested in church, likelihood, uh, if one of the parents are interested in church, likelihood is the kid's going to be maybe, like the the percentage of kids who stay in church with one parent who's interested in church, it drops dramatically. Um, So like here's, here's a thought. Rather than teaching your kids that unless it's fun and engaging, they shouldn't bother with church, teach your kids why we actually go to church and what they should be looking for in church and explain to them what we're doing and why we're doing it. Like that, I don't know, like sit next to your kid and walk them through it. Like to me, you know, that would be a far more productive way to do it. And we do, we look, we do like a Sunday school. We know it's, it gets it gets hard for parents, you know, with their little kids sitting around them while they're trying to preach. I'm not saying don't do Sunday school, don't do all that. Um, but again, the, I think there's this myth that unless you do specifically st- stuff engaging to children, they're just going to lose interest. And I think that's just, we got to let go of that. You know? totally. It puts a lot of pressure on people to try and do these weird creative things that just, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it it gets more and more intense, and then the next thing you know, you are intruding on, and this is my big thing with the regulative principle. You're intruding yeah. in on, yeah. on liberty of conscience. When you come to church, you're expecting those basic elements of of worship to be kind of adhered to and met, and so to introduce something foreign when you know you you haven't necessarily bought into that is to push something on someone's conscience and. Again, I think a safe liturgy keeps that away. And, and just um, if there's an expectation, it sort of molds it to move in a certain direction. Um, one thing I wanted to say as well is just maybe it, it does kind of fit into this is I do like basic liturgies. Um, yeah. I don't like complicated ones, you know, where they're just... Yeah. Um, where you have to stand and turn and face a certain direction. Right. And then, you know, it feels like around that, three times. Yeah. And, you know, make, 
<laughs> exactly. So, you know, hey, that's the Puritan, the plain old guy in me. But uh, it's just that no, it's right. you've got something that's, it's not complicated. It's not, often people, um, you know, will, I'll, I'll often see people sort of move, move from a more um, uh, charismatic direction, maybe, or just, just general you know, evangelical taught a reformed thing. And then, you know, I'm typically meeting them at some point in their journey and they'll get into liturgy and they'll, you know, maybe be pastors and they want to put some, some sort of something together and, uh, and they're just going crazy about it. You know, and they're just like, Oh, what do, what do we do? Yeah. How do we do? What do we say? And they're, you know, what, what wording do we use at this point? And, you know, and it just, it gets, you can see it's obsessive. And I just tell them like, listen, you know, you, you've already got a liturgy going, just be, be mindful of that. Everyone's got one, whether you've written it down or you've, um, you know, considered it or not. Uh, the, the question is, is it biblical? Is it good? Is it, you know, is it in line with scripture? Is it basic? Is it going to work? Is it going to come back to your original point? Going to make sure the gospel is is uh, brought across, and and um, and that's going to be done uh, every week. And that's really all you want to go for. You're not you're not digging through the archives to find like mystical language to to make your church sound more ancient. Uh, you really are just looking at the scriptures yeah. and going, what are the elements of worship? Let's make sure we hit all of those in such a way that. Um, you know, th- th- yeah. that that accounts for our weakness and our ability to ebb and flow. Um, you know, so that, that that I think is massive. That's an important idea. Um, yeah, too right. I'll tell you what, though. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I'm probably sort of either very mildly regulative or, or very on the regulative end of the normative mm-hmm. spectrum, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But the more the more I engage with these sorts of problems, the more I realize there's a lot of wisdom in the regulative stuff. A lot of wisdom. Oh yeah. Um, you know, because it does help you to safeguard against the constant pressure from societal norms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to impose upon your your what what is meant to be important at church. Um, you know, and for parents, you know, family uh, today, family is a real idol. So, you know, people will, parents will forsake almost everything for the sake of trying to please their kids and make them happy and yeah. keep the family going together. And there is a certain rightness to it, but it's it's like so many things. There's, it's like a biblical principle yeah. that society gets hold of and then ends up distorting or running away with it to the point of being ridiculous. It's yeah. like the principle of, of tolerance, yeah. you know. Yeah. Biblically, it's got all the right caveats and boundaries and balances. Mm-hmm. But then when society gets hold of it and runs away with it, it just becomes something absurd. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, tolerance means you just have to accept everything. Everything's okay. You know, like it, <clears throat> yeah. except for the people who are intolerant. Those, those are the people you don't accept. But the, you know, the, the, when it comes to the principle of family and children, uh, biblically, um, it puts everything in the right order. You know, children have their place within the household and within the family of God and within the church community, and and it's fed down to them. You know, rather than putting them front and center, and then trying to organize the whole thing around their understanding. So a lot of things is, a lot of the concern is, well, children won't understand that. Mm. But listen, if you if you dumb down everything in church to the level of what a five year old is going to understand you are going to destroy your church. Let me say this again. If you dumb down everything that happens Sermon included. Sorry? Sermon included. Sermon absolutely included. Don't preach to the floor. Preach to the core. You you know, you want to, you want to, you want to stretch the 
keenest, most mature members of your church in your sermon, because they will then influence the people around them. Yeah. But you, if you, if you're preaching to the bottom, your guys, your mature guys are just stagnating and they're not growing. Yeah. And they're losing interest and they're meant to be helping to disciple other people, but they can't do that if they're not being given anything to, you know, like there is a natural watering down that occurs, mm. you know, from the, from the core to the fringes, you know, it happens outwardly or with what mm -hmm. you want to talk about from the most mature to the least mature. There's a natural, um, there's a, there's a more technical word for that. What's it called? Um, mm. Is it a, it's like a, it's like a, it's, there's a trickle down effect, you know, there's a, a trickle down effect of the truth. But if you start at the bottom, you know, there's no trickle up really effect. Is, like, yeah. And again, the key to the, to a child coming to know the Lord is the parents. Yeah. That's the key. And the parents are fueled and fired up by the church and church should be geared toward the parents, not toward the children. And there's something pretty awesome about, a fam well you know we um one of the things i like to do when i'm on holiday is go to another church and um just on this topic i think i might have mentioned before uh right after we came back from our holiday but one of the my favorite churches to go to is one of the most it's the most liturgical reformed church in the city um and i like it because i don't you know the sermon might flunk whatever it's good i know i'm gonna get the gospel and i know that you know it's gonna be good and faithful and solid and true and doctrine uh, doctrine is gonna be god uh, good and um and so you know we go there and uh it's definitely more formal than we are uh, it's just that notch or two up from from us i enjoy it my family, it's a, you know, they 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 come along. Yeah, they look yeah, to they me. Like they yeah. they they they're not quite sure if they should be enjoying it, and um, it helps to show them that I'm enjoying it. I can see them resonate with it and how that changes them. But uh, what I was going to say is, there's nothing more powerful than like seeing a you know, exactly the kind of dynamic you're talking about there, where there's no there's no worldly lure necessarily, but you can see the parents are just totally stuck to be there. They've coached their kids and what's happening, the importance of it why it's relevant what's what's you know even though it sounds boring what's actually happening and the kids are just kind of standing there and even if they're just standing at attention just because they know that their dad's in awe of something or or that you know there's some sort of sense in which this is this is something super important almost like if you know a kid is in a room when someone really important walks in and you know everyone else knows except for the children but they're going to look to the parents and however the parents act they're going to respond they're not just going to be loosey-goosey they're going to be like oh what's going on here and even if it's nothing more than that as they look at the parents and go wow whatever's going on here it's in, it's engrossing them um and even though it looks boring to me it's it's absolutely you know obviously not boring to them at all uh that's huge that you can't you can't underestimate that. Effect. I mean, you you can't tell me that that you know parents don't in other spheres of life say to their children, "Look, I know this is difficult for you to understand now, but when you're older, you will." Yeah, you know, like like there's some things you have to you have to pull that line with your kids. You know, when they're asking you complicated questions, and you're like, "Look, it's just too heavy for you now. now." Yeah, you know. Um, but, but one day you will, one day, yeah. you, you know, when you're a bit older, we'll keep having this conversation when you're older, you, at some point this is going to click for you. Mm. And the, um, the, the thing about church and you use such an important phrase is that, you know, they look to you. Yeah. So here's, here's what a kid, so what about, what about a four or five year old, uh, I, my five year old can read. So maybe that's a bad example, like a, a three, four year old who can't, who can't read, um, they can't, 
you know, they see the words on the projector, mm. can't read them, doesn't understand what's going on. Mm. Uh, can't read the Bible, can't read the Lord's Prayer on the screen, whatever. Um, wh- you know, what are they getting out of the service? And here's the thing. Here's what kids do is they look around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. Okay. So what they see is older kids mm-hmm. reading and singing, mm-hmm. listening. Mm-hmm. They see their parents reading and singing, listening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know. And a word to parents is, you know, put some effort into your singing because I was going to say the same things. thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, what are we talking about here? In reality, it's it's one thing to say look engrossed, but I mean, we're talking about singing with all of your heart. Just, I mean, who cares about your stupid voice? Sing, you know, and, and let them hear you singing. Um, you know, close your eyes when you pray and don't let them just bother yeah. you at every little willy-nilly thing. Right. You know, yeah, let hold them. them. something more important in the world than them. Totally. Just grab them, hold them and say, not now I'm praying. And then, yeah. you know, make them close their eyes with you, you know, and just do that kind of thing. Um, exactly. You know, same thing, yeah. obviously listening to the sermon. Don't worry so much if they understand. Uh, worry whether you look like you're paying attention. Uh, you know, and obviously, you're not making a show. You need to be paying attention too, and and, and you actually need to worry about that. Yeah. And the, there's this thing as well where, like, if if our kids are messing around, which they will do, you know, and the, or they're not paying attention, they're not focusing, you know, try and use that as a positive teaching opportunity. Like, you know, instead of yeah. just like slapping them upside the head and saying, "Hey, you know, mm. focus," mm-hmm. you know, you could. I mean, there there is a time and a place for that too. But the, the you know, you could go up to them and say, "Hey." Come over here. Come, come. Pay attention to this. This is really, really yeah, important. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, and so, like, there's a there's a way to you know draw their attention to what's going on and help them understand. It. It's like if you're watching a movie that uh, that you've seen before. Okay, it's like an old classic. And you're watching it together with your family and you're saying, "Oh, I love this part. I love this part." You know, mm, look at this part. Mm, mm. Like that's the kind of vibe uh, I think that you know. There's say you know, okay, right, right. You know, my boy. This, this this part's really really important. Concentrate now. Yeah, you know? and you know when you're doing the prayer of confession or something like that. You know, right. like it's it just teach like them. Them, teach them how to go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, absolutely. That kind of interaction and then seeing what grown-ups do. You know, children don't learn just simply by being spoken to. They learn by observing. They're sponges. Mm-hmm. They see what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's they don't learn to talk because you've sat them down and, and taught them, you know, on a chalkboard or whatever, the, the ABCs. They learn to talk because you're doing it with them all the time. Mm-hmm. And children learn how to worship because you're doing it with them. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be able to read the words or have a children's talk or have an address or uh, I don't well, know, like even, whatever even other gimmick. gimmick you know, you don't even need up. a gimmick. You don't need anything. You just, they just want to know you, you. It's funny, you know, there are a few things that I, I remember, even from those casual sort of church visits. It's like you say, um, you know, as a kid, it, it wasn't the obvious stuff. It's more the stuff that no one else is, knows that you're sort of super interested in as a kid. You're just wandering around, looking with your eyes, taking it all in. And um, yeah, that stuff tends to stay with you. So, you know, it, I think yeah. just to be mindful of that, that's the dynamic that's really going to matter uh, long term. But it really, it really comes down to your confidence in the sufficiency of the scripture. I was reading through the uh, the sixteen eighty nine with someone uh, yesterday. We're we're going through it together, and we were just looking at that bit about the you know the, the very first chapter about the sufficiency of scripture. There is nothing outside of scripture that is required for life and faith. You don't need 
anything. There's no tradition. There's no revelation. There's no anything that you need. So the moment you find in a church service that there is an emphasis on something that isn't explicitly mentioned in the Bible, you know that there is a problem. It is an unhealthy development. It's the elevation of a tradition Mm. to the level at which only scripture should occupy. So the reason why I only hesitate with the regulars, I think that it's okay to do that kind of thing from time to time, something that isn't explicitly stated in scripture but right. you might do a, you know a, a variation of it <clears throat> you know, um from time to time you might do a, 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 a you know reading together of a verse from the psalms or something it's not explicitly said that you have to do that but um but the moment you get some institution or some tradition uh that is brought in and is occupying the same sort of level of attention or gravitas or importance in congregational life that something like a prayer of confession should be occupying or something like um, a, a, a kind of the reading of scripture, the public reading of scripture or praying and, um, and, and you know, the, the kind of intercessory prayers, but also prayers of praise and adoration, mm. and, mm. Uh, things like that, or singing, you know, the, the, these are things explicitly told in scripture. We're given mm. explicit examples of this in the new Testament. And so mm. if you stick with that, you will be fine. Like what I'm constantly trying to tell my church is, listen, if we canned everything else that we did, because yeah, we're a busy little church, mm-hmm. if we canned everything else that we did and we just gathered once a week on a Sunday morning, and that was the only thing that we did, gathered once a week to worship, hear the word, uh, participate in the sacraments. And then the rest of the time we go out and we live as Christians in the world. Mm -hmm. Nothing else is needed. Nothing. We would not suffer. We would not become unhealthy. The gospel would not fail. So I know that we're not going to drop this on Saturday, but if we were (laughs) go to church, I mean, I couldn't think of a better segue. So just in case you don't catch Friday or Saturday, and this is the last two-age sojourner until that glorious Lord's Day, you got what you need, right? You got what you need. Go to church, man. Go to church. But I do have one other question for you, Mike. It was going to be a smooth... I have to bring it up. It was going to be a smooth transition into the play out. But I'll let you. I mean, that was going to be so this is, smooth. This has got to happen. I'm afraid it has to happen. All right, it all right. also will transition. Because you know how I play out music. Mm-hmm. Who does that? Oh, <laughs> I see where you're going. Um, <laughs> all right, hang on. I don't know. I'm Who does even... that music? Mike? Not... That awesome play out music. That one. That that music that um that I keep on not. I'm supposed to be mentioning them. And never do you mean that 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 sort of one sort of, that music? That's the one, the one that we like revel in every single week, and I feel sometimes like sometimes forget. I, I feel like what we what we do with that though is what what we lose in, um, you know, actual formal sort of, you know, um, liturgy. Uh, liturgy, <laughs> yeah. We gain in in pure passion. I mean, we're just sort of. We're passionately yeah. commending this music, even if we're not saying this thing. But I agree. We need to be saying it more. So here we go. Music on this podcast was written by Jeremy Casella and performed by Indelible Grace. You can listen to more and you should listen to more from Indelible Grace. 
and Jeremy Casella by searching on Spotify or Apple Music. Um, go check him out, guys. But you know what? Here's a little payout. <laughs> 